0: In 2008, I took my wife on a date to see a movie called Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, maybe you will remember that movie. It was a little bit popular back in the day and it portrays uh, this story in India of this guy who goes through a lot of hardships, but it also portrays just in general how kids grow up in India and many of them are without parents and they are trafficked. And I remember watching this movie and thinking a couple of things. One, uh, this was not the best date idea. Uh, we were both tearing up the whole time and, and, and kind of broken up about this movie and what we were seeing, but also, two, my wife is Indian, and so I didn't just think about uh, kids on a movie, I thought about my wife and and it broke me a little bit more. And it broke her a little bit more. Her older sister was born in India. And to think, oh, that could have been her. She could have been trafficked. And that happened so much there. And What injustice. And that pained us to see that on some level. But then here's what happened. We left that movie and we went on to grab coffee or do something else. And I imagine we, we walked with that brokenness for a little while. And that pain of that, seeing that injustice for a little while. But we went to a movie the next week. We went to a sporting event a couple weeks later. And we got distracted and we moved on about our lives. And the injustice that we saw, we didn't really see with our hearts. But here's what happened. The next year, we went to India. We traveled to the place. It wasn't a movie any longer. In fact, I remember it vividly. We were walking through the streets of New Delhi, India. And I remember seeing a group of little kids covered in dirt from head to toe, just like the movie. And I remember thinking, Okay, this is a different way to see injustice. You see, it wasn't a movie, it was real life. You see, I was I was there with them. And because we were in India, we didn't even have cell phones at the time and there, there definitely wasn't another movie to go see and there wasn't the amenities of Dallas, Texas and our comforts to go back to. There wasn't distractions to go back to. We had to just see those kids and see that injustice for what it was. See, I I saw a movie about injustice, but then I saw injustice, and it hit me deeper, and, and I couldn't leave it, and I couldn't just move on to another distraction. You see, here's the gift of the season that we find ourselves in, pandemic, quarantine, five months into cabin fever. You didn't know there was a gift, did you? Here's the gift. God is removing distractions, God is removing distractions so that we can see, so that we can see things like injustice, so so we can see pain, so we can see sin all around us, and so we can't just quickly see it, feel sad about it, and move on to something else, another distraction. But we have to be faced with it because nothing else is going on. I don't know if you've realized this, but there's no who wore what at the Grammys. There's no sporting uh, rivalries that we're debating over the water cooler right now. There's no movie theater open to go see a movie. God has removed all distractions. Why? So we can see injustice. So we can see the pain of injustice and not just quickly move on to another distraction, but so we can sit in that uncomfortableness of that injustice and we can not just see it, but we can step into it and we can make sacrifices to bring about the justice of God in the midst of injustice. So we are continuing in our series, Jesus and Justice. Today is the people of justice. How do we see, that's my outline, giving it to you right off the top. How do we see justice, step into it, and then make sacrifices to see the biblical justice that God wants, his heart for biblical justice, to see that enacted through the people of God, that's you and that's me, all right? So last week we talked about the priority of justice. Uh, Go back and watch that on YouTube, listen to that sermon we laid out for you on the whole of scripture. We saw the justice of God, the image of God, we see the justice of God, the, the revelation of God, The Son of God, the return of God, we see it all over Scripture, so this isn't my opinion, this isn't me coming to you with just some things I see in our culture, this comes from God's Word. Go back to that sermon, but today we're going to talk about what's our responsibility, what's our opportunity in this season to be a part of enacting God's justice in the world. You ready? All right, here we go. Luke 10 is where we're going to be. We just read the passage, Luke 10, 25 through 37. Get a Bible in front of you. Walk through this text with me. Uh, We are parachuting in here, but I want you to see what's happening. We have a front row seat to a conversation, to a conversation between Jesus and a lawyer. And when you think lawyer, don't think civil or criminal law. Think an expert in biblical law, and they're having a conversation that that ultimately could be a little bit of a debate. Hypothetically, lawyers like to do that, right? And they're having that conversation, and the lawyer asks Jesus a really important question. He says, how do you inherit eternal life? Now, again, you have to put yourself in this context. This is a lawyer, an expert in biblical law, who probably knew eternal life, probably knew the answer to that question, but he's trying to test Jesus The Son of God, claiming to be the Son of God, and see, do you really know what it takes to inherit eternal life? So Jesus, in classic Jesus form, don't you just love Jesus? He answers the lawyer's question with another question, right? Uh, He says to the lawyer, what have you read? What does the law read to you? You're an expert in the law. What does it read to you? The lawyer actually answers the question with a great response, He quotes the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. He says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. By the way, if you are new to the faith, new to church, we love it that you have joined us. This is what the Christian life is about. It's about placing your faith in Jesus, loving God, and then seeing that love vertically extend horizontally. This is the, the mission of our church. Love moves. We love God. God loves us. We love him. And then we love one another. And so the lawyer actually aces the quiz as the lawyer would do. Again, he knows the right answers, but his problem is not the knowing, it's the doing. Right, And we see that in the passage, verse 28. Jesus says, you answered correctly, aced the quiz, crushed it. But then he says, do this and you will live. That's when it gets real for the lawyer, right? That's when it gets real for all of us who, who maybe have grown up in the church and, and know our Old Testament and New Testament. We know love God, love neighbor. We know justice, but it gets real when it's not just knowing it, but doing it. Right? And so in classic Jesus form, he calls him to the carpet and says, this is what you need to do. Now, like we do, we try to justify ourselves. That's what the lawyer does. In fact, verse 29, that's what it says. Desiring to justify himself, he tries to get out. He tries to find a loophole out of loving his neighbor and doing that. And so he starts to get into the etymology of the word neighbor. He asks Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Let's define neighbor first. Before I start getting crazy and going to love my neighbors, let's define the word first, right? And before we crack on the lawyer, many of us do this as well. We love to talk about words and debate points instead of make a difference, amen? And that's what the lawyer does. And so again, how does Jesus respond to that? Again, don't you just love Jesus? He doesn't answer the guy's question directly. He shares a story, a parable. And just a side note, we're in a tense time in our country, politics, the presidential election is coming, there is racial tension that we're going to get to, There's, there's COVID tension and how should we respond and wear a mask or not and assemblies and gatherings and all of those things. And maybe a lot of people are coming to you with questions and quizzing you. Listen, it's okay to respond to their question with a question. It's okay to respond to their question with a story. Jesus did it. You can follow Jesus, have a dialogue. Don't feel like you have to have an answer for everything in pride, right? In humility, you can dialogue with someone else just like Jesus did. So Jesus tells a story. We're gonna pull out three points from this story. If you're taking notes, the first point is this. Jesus wants us to see that we should see injustice. We should see injustice. We see it in verse 30. We learn a man is robbed in this story that Jesus tells. He's robbed and beaten and he's left half dead. So maybe he was unconscious. Picture somebody on the, on the side of the road. And in verse 31 and 32, two people walk by this man who is beaten, left half dead. One of them is a priest, like a pastor. One of them is a Levite, like an assistant priest. Two religious people see a man who is suffering, see a man who has experienced injustice. And and Jesus specifically, if you notice, he says they saw him, but their response didn't equate to what they saw. Notice they passed by, and notice they didn't just pass by like the man's right there, and they walked right past him. They went to the exact opposite side of the street, So these religious people, they know the law. Again, think the biblical lawyer knew the law, But doing the law, doing the justice was the problem. And Jesus tells a story about religious people struggling to do justice as they see injustice. Um, I was thinking about it this week just because we've been watching Disney Plus for hours on end in this quarantine. And we've been catching up on all the Star Wars movies. I wasn't a big Star Wars buff. My apologies if you are. I know I'm offending you in lots of other ways today, but that may be the biggest way. Uh, And I haven't watched a lot of the Star Wars movies, but I'm getting into them now with my son. And we watched, and my son wanted to watch when Darth Vader died, right? And I'd never seen that scene. We're watching that scene, and if you are a Star Wars buff and you know the scene, here's what happens. Darth Vader is dying, and he asked Luke, his son, Luke, I am your father, remember that? Everybody knows that line. He asked Luke, who's his son, take off my mask, the big black mask. And Luke says, if I do that, Dad, you're gonna die. And he says, but I wanna see you with my own eyes. It'll be worth it, right? And he takes off the mask and he holds Luke's hand and he talks to him for the very first time as a father to a son. He connects with him relationally. He connects with his pain, right? That's what true seeing is. You see, I think Darth Vader could see through the mask. He didn't need to take it off. That's not what he meant there was a different kind of seeing that went on. You see, there's a different kind of seeing that needs to happen when we see injustice. We can't look at someone who's suffering and see it, but not connect relationally. And see it, and then go to the next distraction. As Christians, when we see injustice, we have to see it, and then we have to step into it. It should cause something to stir within us. And Jesus is making the point, if you've gotten so religious that you know all about justice and you know all about love, but you don't know what it means to actually see it and respond to what you see, you've missed the point. And they've missed the point and they haven't truly seen. And listen, as we look at people who are on the side of the road in our day, people who have been beaten, people who are suffering. As we see that, as as the priests and Levites of our day, we are a community of priests indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. We're the saints. That's the way scripture calls us. And as we see people who are suffering on the side of the road, and we see them, but look away, we don't truly see them. And see, here's what I know. As is, is I talk about seeing injustice and, and doing that in our day right now, some of you think about the stuff you're seeing on social media. Some of you think about the stats that you're reading about on the news. Some of you think about a video you saw once. Listen, I'm not trying to go there. I'm not talking about seeing problems out there. I'm talking about seeing people that are next to you. And in our day, listen, there are people, specifically people of color, our black brothers and sisters who are on the side of the road, suffering injustice, right? And some of us, we've seen that on the news. We've we've seen it on social media, debated. And some of us, we've seen it in one way, but just like a movie we saw, we moved on to the next thing. We we just looked at the next post and we didn't see it and respond to it. Maybe we saw it and we debated it like the lawyer. Maybe we've done that that, to say, well, let's talk about what, what is race, What is ethnicity? Let's debate that for a moment instead of seeing the person and responding to their injustice and suffering. I was thinking about it this way, as we tend to debate instead of make a difference and see and respond, sometimes we think about it like, okay, well, hey, all lives matter. And some of us, we say that. And why are we so focused on black lives? And we struggle with that, right? And I was thinking about it this way that, hey, all of us live in houses, right? And all of our houses should be protected and, and well-kept and taken care of and, and not broken into and all of those types of things. And, and we care about the shelter of all of us and all of our neighborhoods. But if somebody's house next to me is on fire, I'm caring a little bit differently about that house. That house takes my attention. And of course, all houses, all safety matters, but that one house that's on fire, it needs my immediate attention. I need to see it and do something. I don't debate that all other houses and neighborhoods matter. I I I put out the fire in one house. I run in and rescue those people in that house. And in our day in 2020, we're seeing come to the surface that black lives are just like these people on the side of the road. This guy in this story have been beaten. They're experiencing suffering in different ways and their house is on fire. And as we debate other houses, and don't go put out the fire, and don't rescue, and don't see and pull out people who are suffering, we're missing the point, just like the lawyer did, just like the priest and the Levite did in this story. See, a gift of this season is God is calling you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, to see we are in a moment We are in a moment that our kids are going to write papers about. Our grandkids are going to watch movies about. This moment, 2020. And they're also not just going to see things and write papers about injustice and the black community and the the suffering they're experiencing. They're not just going to see that. They're going to see how the church of Jesus Christ responded. I hope they do. I hope they see that other part of the story of there was injustice Within the church of Jesus Christ, prayed and proclaimed and practiced the justice of God amidst the injustice. They saw and they actually stepped in. Right? That's our role. That's our charge as believers in Jesus. That's the point Jesus is trying to make. As we see people who are suffering, we don't debate points. We make a difference. We step in and do that. Right? And so I would ask you today. What are you seeing? What is obstructing your vision from seeing? Maybe it's pride. Could it be, listen, just go out on a limb here with me. Could it be, as you debate, do black lives really matter and organizations, I'm not talking about blacklivesmatter.com. I'm saying, as you debate a certain color of people, a certain group of people who are experiencing injustice, could it be, that pride is obstructing your vision to actually see the injustice and respond to it appropriately. Could it be that, that you don't want to feel uncomfortable? As I've talked about seeing those kids in India, you're just like, man, I just, ah, yes, I want sports to come back, I want movies to come back, I want distractions. I want the Grammys, so I don't have to see the injustice. Maybe you've said that as you've watched the news. Like, why do we have to talk about race so much? Why do we have to keep on and on about this? And it makes you uncomfortable. Could it be that pride or discomfort is obstructing your vision and you can't really see what God is calling you to see in this moment? God is removing distractions so we can see as the people of God, injustice, and we can respond to it, and we can love, and we can serve, and we can step in. Are you seeing what's obstructing your sight? Second point is, as we see, as we truly see, here's what happens. We step in. We don't pass by. We enter the conflict. Notice verse 33, a Samaritan shows up and he sees, but in a different way. And the first thing you need to know about a Samaritan is he doesn't just respond differently. He's a different person. A Samaritan was Half breed. He was half Jewish and half not. And and people in that day, just like in our day, they had ethnic inequality between Jewish people and Samaritan people. And so it's really interesting. Jesus shares a story. Who is the person who acts? Who is the person who sees and enters in? It's not the religious person, it's the Samaritan person. It's the person who is often the recipient of injustice who goes out and enacts justice for this person who's experienced it, okay. Jesus is making a couple points there. Jesus is showing us that, hey, here's what it really means to love your neighbor. That was the, the question. Here's what it means. It means that you may love somebody who's different than you, okay. A Samaritan may love somebody who's not a Samaritan and vice versa. In fact, just a side note, as we think about what it truly means to love our neighbor, if everybody around you looks like you, votes like you, and thinks like you, you may just be loving an extension of yourself and not your neighbor, Jesus is showing us, hey, our our neighbors, they're different, people of different ethnicities, people of different philosophies, people of different personalities. And he's showing us, he picks a Samaritan person on purpose that this lawyer had to be thinking, wait a second, the Samaritan person, the outcast, that's the person who's loving their neighbor as they ought? And Jesus is making the point, we love people who are different than us. We step in for them. And that's what we see the Samaritan do. Verse 34, you see a very different response as he sees the injustice. We see verse 34, the Samaritan, it says, he went to him. Doesn't pass by, doesn't keep on about his day and his journey. He goes to the person who is suffering. He goes to him and he has compassion. That word compassion, the root word is intestines. It's meant to make you think about in your inner gut that you have concern for another person. So much concern that you have compassion that leads to action. Verse 34, it says, he went to him, he bound up his wounds, he poured on oil and wine, and he acts, he steps in. And listen, sometimes everybody loves the Good Samaritan story, I I think you probably heard about it on the news, particularly in times of injustice and what it means to make a difference around us with everything going on bad in our world. Some people who aren't even Christians will talk about, hey, we need to be more like the Good Samaritan. We need to stop and care for the people around us. And people will elevate the Good Samaritan as you should be more like the Good Samaritan. But here's the story of the gospel. And here's what's different about the Bible and for us as Christians is as Jesus paints this picture of a good Samaritan. He's really talking about a great shepherd, Jesus Christ. He's really talking about himself, that Jesus is the true and better good Samaritan, that he entered into the conflict, that he saw a broken and oppressed people in their sin. That's you and me. But he didn't continue about his way like the priest and Levite. No, he entered in. That's the incarnation. He came. He entered into the conflict in the most messy way possible, right? He didn't pass by on the other side. Jesus was the true and better good Samaritan. He came. He entered into the mess. He was born in a barn. He went to a cross, was mocked and was killed, was bloodied. He entered in to the conflict. He stepped in. He saw Jesus, the true and better good Samaritan. He saw the pain. He saw the oppression. He saw the injustice. And aren't you thankful? Praise God that he entered into that. He saw and he stepped in. As followers of Jesus, that's what we do. You see, here's my fear for us, the church, is that we won't just be like the priest and Levite and that we'll walk by unaffected. But if we put ourselves in this story, that's what I like to do as I read scripture, is we put ourselves in the story that we won't just be like the priest and the Levite walking by, but not only will we walk by, we'll be so busy talking about, debating, what is eternal life? I mean, who really is my neighbor that we'll forget to, to see and enter into the conflict, enter into the oppression? And listen, I know this is uncomfortable. I know I'm touching on some sensitive subjects right now, but I really shouldn't be. Because again, I'm not talking about stats. I'm not talking about blogs. I'm not talking about social media posts. I'm talking about seeing people, not problems, right? That, that my wife and I, as we've gone along in our journey, we've, we've seen people, like people we actually know. People like a, a pastor friend of mine from Austin, who's a pastor who is going to church and gets pulled over by, a police officer, and he says, I'm a pastor, and the, the cop pulls a gun on him and says, you're lying. He's a black guy, and he shares that story. A man of God, not exaggerating anything. He shares that, I, I see that. He's a personal friend. I, I see it, I know him, and I want to step into that pain, not debate the pain. I want to help make a difference, not debate a point. Why? Because I, I see it, right? Listen, that's uncomfortable to to see and experience. But again, as Jesus followers, we do what he did. We step into it even when it feels uncomfortable. I've seen it on a more personal level with my wife who is Indian, who has brown skin, who grew up in Texas, where people would refer to her as a fob, fresh off the boat. And I've seen that and it's not a stat and it's not something on the news, it's not a headline. I've seen the person, not just the problem. And I want to step into that, right? And some of you may be thinking, well, Tim, I mean, these are isolated incidents. Don't these things happen a long time ago? And again, could it be that that's an obstruction to your vision, that you would rather debate a point than make a difference? That you would rather be distracted, go back to your comfort, instead of stepping in and doing something that we would rather debate, just like the lawyer, and justify ourselves and talk about the what abouts. What about this? What's this background? What happened before? Why did he get pulled? What was going on? I need some more context. And listen, we don't do that with any other sin. Did you realize that? Because I preach about sin as we talk about things like abortion and, and other cultural things, things like adoption and the orphan, things like Sex trafficking, things like adultery, whatever the case is, as we talk about those sins, we never ask, well, what about? Well, I know that God committed adultery, but what were the circumstances? Is, Is there anything that was leading up to that? We don't ask those questions, but we do so with ethnic oppression or racial injustice. You have to ask, why? Why do we resist seeing and stepping in? Jesus is painting a picture as we see injustice in our world. Do we see it and do we respond to it? Are you doing that? How are you seeking justice? Uh, We see this in scripture, a progression. Isaiah 117 is one place in the Old Testament. It says it this way, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and please the widow's cause. Learn to do good, seek justice. How are you seeking out justice? for justice. And then acting, bringing justice, correcting oppression. Uh, that's what we see in the New Testament, James 2:15. It says suppose a brother or sister was is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, "Go in peace, keep warm and well fed," but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? The whole book of James went through it at the beginning of the year. Is faith leads to action. Right? We see and we step in. That's the progression. We don't debate, we make a difference. That's the progression of Scripture. I love the way author and theologian Paul Tripp says it. He says, Change requires action, action requires compassion, and compassion requires information. Right? Do you see the progression? It's the progression of all of Scripture. And as we see whatever injustice we see, whether it is black lives, whether it is the adoption crisis and foster care crisis, whether it is sex trafficking, Whatever it is that we see, our faith in God, our salvation leads to reconciliation, That's the way it works. We see and we step in. And let me just tell you, these words, faith, pray, Holy Spirit, they've been hijacked. Somehow we think and we've associated that these words, if we pray about it and Holy Spirit empower justice and just be faithful, that somehow that means we don't act. And that couldn't be further from what Scripture says. That is our call as Christians. So, our third point is sacrifice. So, we want to see people, actually see them, see, see them and have compassion that leads to action. We step in and then we sacrifice. We act even when it costs us to do so. If you look at verse 34 and 35 with me, what I love is the Samaritan, he doesn't just bind up the wounds of the person who's suffering. No, he he takes a detour. We read about it, he takes him to an inn where he can get sustainable help. He he incurs debt financially. It literally costs him to care for this person who has suffered. He sacrifices. And again, we're not just looking at the good Samaritan. Oh, be like the good Samaritan, You you should do that. No. Jesus Christ is telling this story. He is the true and better good Samaritan. He is the one who, who sees the oppression of people in their sin. He steps into the messiness of that and he makes the ultimate sacrifice. It cost him to practice love and justice in the world. It cost him his life. And so as Jesus followers, as we see injustice all around us, why should we think it any different? It will cost us. It will cost you. Right? It's probably cost me a little bit preaching this sermon today. Right? I've probably offended a few of you. I don't know. I'm just going out on a limb here on that. And that wasn't my goal. You need to know that as your pastor. My goal is not to offend you, but my goal is to cause us to think about how are we in pride? How is our vision obstructed? How are we not truly seeing things? How are we debating points instead of making a difference? How are we so unwilling to sacrifice our time, our talent, our treasure? And we need to have that hard conversation as a church. This is our moment to have that conversation, to engage culture, to uphold truth, to love people well. That's always what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna do in the midst of pandemic. That's what we're gonna do in the midst of racial tension and racial injustice. We're gonna engage it and we're gonna sacrifice and talk about what it means to do just that. So listen, I'm not beating you up today. I'm asking you to join me. I'm asking us to come together. Our divided world needs a united church. We need to collectively... No lone ranger out here trying to do social justice, being a keyboard warrior, uh, trying to champion all these things by themselves is going to make a difference. But the church of Jesus Christ coming together, seeing, stepping in, sacrificing, that could change the world, right? And so I'm inviting you into that with me. I'm inviting you to continue this conversation with me. Because here's the reality. As we think about seeing, stepping in, and sacrificing, here's where we're all headed. I know there's uncertainty. I know nobody knows what's gonna happen next week, much less the fall or with school or your job or all these things. Everything's uncertain. Here's the one thing that's not uncertain. Here's the one thing I can guarantee you this is where we're headed as believers in Jesus Christ. It's Revelation chapter seven. This picture of a multi-ethnic family coming together, wrapped around the glory of Jesus Christ, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, for all of eternity, lifting up praises to our just and loving God. That's where we're headed, church. That's what I'm inviting you to start practicing now as we pray, as we proclaim, and as we practice justice, even when we make sacrifices to do so. So I would just ask you today, you're thinking maybe, how do we be a people of justice? What do I need to do? There's all these injustices. There is sex trafficking. There is ethnic inequality. There's the foster care and adoption crisis right here in our state. What can I really do? Just think about it this way. What What can I make that would be a sacrifice to me, to people around me who are suffering injustice? What of my time, How can I make a detour just like the Good Samaritan did? What of my time? What of my talent? What resources has God given me? What treasures has has God given me? How can it even cost us financially? How can we give to organizations? And again, come together to make an impact. How can you do that? If each one of us asked those questions, let me just tell you, we wouldn't just see like a better world. We would see a more gospel saturated world that was influenced by the people of God. That's my hope. You could start simply by, by having coffee with somebody who's different than you and just listening and learning and loving sacrificially. You start there. Right? If each one of us starts somewhere, we will end up in that Revelation 7 picture of a multi-ethnic family celebrating together the glory of Christ. May God's kingdom in heaven, may it come to earth. May it happen through the people of justice, through the people of God, through the people of Phoenix Bible Church. Will you join me in that? That's what I invite you into. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you care about justice way more than I do, that you care about every single person who is not experiencing justice right now. And God, you do care about the orphan and you care about the widow. You care about the black life. You care about the sex trafficked. God, you, you care about all the injustice that, that we are seeing in our world, and you see it, and you have compassion that leads you to action. You step in, and I'm so thankful for that. And God, may we join you in that effort. God, may we reflect, not just receive your justice, but may we reflect it as the people of God. God, help us to see. Help us to figure out, I I don't know what all of this looks like, but I wanna try to see. I wanna see where I can sacrifice. I wanna see how I can step in. I wanna ask what's obstructing my sight. And God, may we all do that together as we seek that picture of one day of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation worshiping at your feet for all of eternity. Help us to start seeing that now as we practice your justice. In the name and for the fame of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, amen.